back up in the passage. And let's start with the first verse of Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. So, put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And in these things, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to each other, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you put on the new self, the new you, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. And here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. Okay, that's the negative. Well, it's, there's positive in it too. Now we go back to where we started. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate, holy and beloved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with each other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Be thankful. Let's pray. Oh Lord, You are our rock and our Redeemer. And so we pray that the meditation, the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts together would be acceptable in Your sight. Amen. Remain seated. Let's sing together hymn number 644 in your hymnals. May the mind of Christ my Savior... So what makes the Gospel believable? Why should people listen to you and listen to me? And as we look through this passage, Paul starts with, I think, what should be a very obvious thought. Because our lives have been changed by Jesus. 
And he starts with saying, you know, there are some things that just have no place in your life. Uh, They did at one time, may very well have, but they don't belong there now. And he talks about things that are just open, scandalous sins, doesn't he? But that's not the end of the story or the end of the answer to my question. That's only the beginning. And as you read down through that, what does he do? He moves on from those open, obvious things to issues of character, doesn't he? There are some issues of character that don't belong in my life anymore. There are attitudes and desires and habits of mind and heart that don't belong there either. You know, think about this. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like those rotten people around me. I don't do that anymore. I don't even think that way anymore. Does that sound familiar? Did Jesus say God listens to that kind of prayer? Hmm? No. He said, God's not listening. And it comes down to something that when Paul says it in this passage that is so simple. Now, it's founded on God freeing us from a lot of things. A lot of open, evil, obvious sin. And freeing us from a lot of attitudes that don't belong in us anymore. But it works out in things that Anybody and everybody can see. And what does he say? Look at it again, beginning with verse 12. What are we to put on? He says, this is, this is it's more than a change of clothes, but he uses that figure, you know. I'm going to go home after this, and believe me, I'm not wearing this the rest of the day, okay? I'm going to get comfortable. Well, Paul says... There's some stuff you need to take off and leave it. And there's some stuff you need to put on. It's like a change of clothes, but he doesn't put it in terms of just external clothes. He puts it in terms of the old you and the new you. And I guarantee you that these changes are things that everybody around you will see. Everybody. What does he say? What do you put on? Kindness, excuse me, compassion and kindness. Compassion and kindness. Humility, meekness, and patience. Putting up with each other. And if you do have a complaint, forgiving each other. Just like the Lord has forgiven you. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together. And let the peace of Christ, the serenity of Jesus, rule in your hearts. That's what you've been called to. 
and be thankful. And I, I love this last one. Be thankful. Again, it's, it's very simple, isn't it? Just being really thankful. That's more than being grateful. You can be grateful and never open your mouth. Okay? But if you're going to be thankful, you're going to have to say so. Okay? But it's interesting. Calvin's comment on this passage, he, tra- he says, I would really like to translate that last word as be lovable. And he said, now, thankful is a good translation, you know. So we'll stick with it, but that's what I would like to do with it. And I think when you put all of this together, all right, I forget stuff, I can't do something that I used to be able to do, and I say, Lord, you promised. You promised to carry me when I couldn't carry myself anymore. And he does. He does. His kindness is just overwhelming. His compassion. It's not just, okay, what are my list of nice things I can do to people today? But it's looking at people and feeling their pain and being willing to take on their pain. What did Jesus do for you and me? Hmm? He took on the pain we deserve. See, I look at the people around me and I go, yeah, you had that one coming. And you've never done that, right? Never thought that. Of course we have. Of course we have. But thanks be to God, that's not what he did with us. That's not. This is, this is compassion and kindness. This is patience. What has God put up within me every single day? It's amazing. Humility and meekness. It's like two sides of a coin. One is not thinking that I'm really that great. And honestly, that's not that hard for me. But, (laughs) okay, But sometimes we don't act like that, right? Sometimes we feel like we got turf to defend and and respect that we deserve, and, and so we react to people that way. But God hasn't reacted to us that way. You understand? Is he opposed to the proud? Yes. But does he teach his children humility? Oh, thank God he does that he takes time to do that, that he cares enough to do that, because he is the one who deserves praise and glory, not us. Okay? So he's done that. And then as we look at the issues, and I'm not going to belabor these, tolerance, our society talks a lot about tolerance, but I'll tell you what, if any of us knew much about tolerance, the situation wouldn't be like it is right now, okay? Now, I don't care what your political philosophy is, the conduct stinks. Okay? There's no tolerance out there. But God teaches us that. How can you do that? Well, 
Because God's in charge of justice. And am I to seek justice and love justice? Absolutely. Absolutely. But can I secure it? No, not really. And even when I do my best, it's not perfect. And even when our courts do their best, it's not perfect. God's in charge of that. And so, I can wait. I can wait when I have to for God to make it right. And I believe He shall. Because people say, well, you, you, you don't want to be accused of being a preacher of fire and brimstone. Well, no, not really. I don't. But I'll tell you what. When you look around at all the evil in the world and all the injustice in the best of places, you have to value the hope that there is a day when God is going to send His Son from His right hand back here again and He's going to judge the living and the dead. And there will be justice. And justice and peace and the knowledge of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't wait. But I will wait, and I have to wait, don't I? So that's going to take some tolerance in between. And I think this is where the strength of that comes. And then we look at the last two things, peace or serenity and uh, thankfulness. I already mentioned some things about thankfulness, but I want you to think about peace. Jesus said to us, My peace I leave with you. I give it to you. Not like the world gives peace. That's not what I'm giving you. (laughs) In me, in in the world, you will have trouble. But don't worry. I have overcome the world. That's the peace he gives you. And think about it. Where does the world look for peace? Where do the people around you look for peace? Uh, <laughs> I made a list. And it's not, it's not uh, exhaustive. Higher fences. Stronger locks. More money. Large insurance policies. Healthy lifestyle. Good doctors. Competent lawyers. Honest politicians. Uh, Okay. Perfect spouses. Independence. Not depending on anybody but me. How do you suppose that's going to work out? Hmm? Honestly. Come on. It's not. And Jesus said, that's not the kind of peace I'm giving you. And if you're not like that, you're going to have trouble. Okay? But don't you worry about it. 
because I've overcome the world. And Jesus has given you a peace that the world cannot give, can never give you. And you know what else? It can never, ever take it away. Never. That is Jesus' gift to you. And I would suggest to you that all of these things put together, and we're going to come back to the last issue, but all of these things put together, they are strikingly different than a lot of the people around you. You cannot go through life being a thankful person and not be noticed. I listen to my buddies and my acquaintances, okay? And they're bitter about so many things. And they have so much. But they're not happy with it. And I'm just thankful that God fed us today. And I'm thankful for everything He's given. And I let Him worry about the things He hasn't given. Okay? You think that's not strikingly different? It is. And so is the peace of God's people. So is the peace that Jesus gives you when you trust Him. For all of those things that we listed, people do not feel safe, do they? Hmm. They don't. But when you do, they notice. And so many of these things that we looked at, they're really very simple. What does a little bit of kindness cost you? Huh? It's almost free. And sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it costs you something. Right? But it's not hard, folks. And when I am just overwhelmed with all that God has given me and all the kindness that He's shown to me, sharing a little bit of that with somebody else, that's such a tiny little thing. It's almost not worth mentioning. It's not worth keeping a record of. Okay? People notice that. And compassion... Something as simple as listening to a friend or a neighbor who's suffering, whose grandchild is ill, who's, you know, who needs to get to the hospital and doesn't have a ride, and you care. Or it may be something you can't fix, where an act of kindness won't change it, won't change it at all. But you can look at them and you can say, I'm sorry, and I will be praying for you, and mean it, and do it, okay? I've actually got friends and acquaintances who started saying to me, I'll be praying for you. (laughs) I don't know whether they do or not. I hope they do, okay? And I appreciate it if they do, and when they do. But they know that I'm going to say that to them when they're in trouble. (laughs) All right? People notice that. And 
Paul summarizes the whole thing here with, most of all, what I'm talking about here is love. Because what ties all this stuff together, what holds it together, what does Paul say? It's love. It is love. And, and I want you to, to think about that. I want to read you just a few verses from 1 John chapter 4. Beginning with verse 7. Beloved. That's a great way to start. When he's going to start talking to you about love, he says, you know, you've been loved. <laughs> okay? You people who know what love is because you've been loved. You need to love each other. Because love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God became obvious. That God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us so much, we have to love each other. We must. No one has ever seen God. But when we love each other, God lives in us. And His love, and I'm going to give you another different translation, His love has reached its goal in us. That is a profound statement. Our old translations that say when love is perfected, how long is that going to be? That's not what he's saying. He's not talking about perfect love. He's talking about love that has accomplished what God intended for it to accomplish. When does God's love for you and for me accomplish what God intended it to? When? When we love Him more than anything. Well, that's true. But is that what he says? When we love each other. Okay. That's what God wanted all the time. You see, he loved all of you all. And when I love you too, I'm doing what he wanted all along. Our love for each other accomplishes God's goal. That is amazing. We love people so that they will love us. God deserves our love. All of our love. But that's not why He taught us to love. That happens 
when we love each other. Got it? Now, let's up the ante a little bit, okay? Let's look at Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 27. But I say to you who are listening, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. But as you wish that others would do to you, do to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, What's the benefit in that to you? Even sinners do the same thing. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive it back, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back what they gave. But love your enemies and do good. Lend expecting nothing in return And your reward will be great. For you will be sons of the Most High. Because, listen to this, He is kind to ungrateful and evil people. Be merciful like your Father in heaven is merciful. See, there's a challenge for you. God shows love in many ways to all kinds of people and to a whole bunch of people that I really don't like very much. And guess what? They don't like me either. That's less surprising, actually. But <clears throat> that's the challenge. And every person who abuses you that you show kindness to isn't going to say, oh, now I believe the gospel. That's not going to happen, no. But there are people watching. And even the person who returns evil for good. Our challenge is to return good for evil, right? That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said. It's what Paul said. It's what Peter says. It's all in there. All right? Even that person can't really criticize, can they? There is still a testimony to the love and grace of God in this world offered in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What makes the gospel believable? Why should people listen to you when you try to share that with them? 
The answer to that is really pretty simple. It comes out in little everyday acts and responses. And they're all a response to the love and goodness and mercy and kindness of God to me and to you. They're not asking a lot, brothers and sisters. And and I would challenge you, I would beg you to pay attention to these kind of things. You want something productive to do over the next couple months? Spend a little time in these few verses just looking at these things that Paul says and think about them. Memorize the Beatitudes. And take one of them a day. Remember where it goes in this setting, right? And think about it. What does that mean? How does that work out? Jesus is saying, I'm blessed when this is the fruit in my life. Am I blessed today? Think about them. 1 Corinthians 13. What does love look like? Love is patient. Love is kind. Sound familiar? Yeah? But think about it. Because these are the things that the people around you will notice. And they are the things that make the gospel credible. Think about that.